Hi, I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. How are you? Good. So we're <laughs> wrapping up our discussion of Fledgling by Octavia E. Butler. Uh, we'll be starting at Chapter 16 and finishing up the rest of the novel. So I'm excited to get back into it. Uh, but before we do, take care of some business. Will you remind everybody what our next novel is going to be, please? Yes, so we are going to be reading Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Um, I'm really excited to read it. I finished the novel and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's definitely not um, what I expected reading it because a lot of it is like compared to, um, like if you like Circe, you'll really like it, but it has a really interesting kind of twist and element to it that is not what I would have expected. So I really like it. I'm yeah. excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too. It's definitely not what I thought uh, either, but in a good way. So I'm looking forward to discussing it. So if you haven't, go pick up a copy from your local bookstore, which it's it's been out. It's pretty popular, so you shouldn't have an issue. But you can also go to bookshop.org to order a copy as well. Uh, What you drinking? So I had big hopes, um, like we talked about last time. I was going to do like a Bloody Mary. I was going to do something really on point with fledgling, vampire, blood-related, Um, And then Brian and I caught the vid and we got sick and I'm not going to the grocery (laughs) store to get ingredients for a cool drink. So I am just having a bottle of Boda Box Rosé, not a bottle. I'm having a glass, a glass of Boda Box (laughs) Rosé. Well, that's okay. Totally understandable. I won't give you shit. Um, I have compensated for both of us. So I am drinking deliciously. Oh my God. It doesn't look pretty. So it's um, dark cherry juice, some white rum, uh, a little bit of grenadine. uh, Shook that all up in a martini or in a cocktail shaker, poured it in my coupe. And then I topped it off with some club soda because I like having a little bit of fizz. And I've got my delicious cherries in there. So uh, I feel like we're on point. It's like a nice, deep, rich red color to go oh, with yeah. our vampire story. I yeah. think and it's, it's actually pretty definitely good. Definitely on point. It looks good. It looks good and it's very much on theme. Yeah, it's sweet, but it's good. Um so yeah, I like it. I'll put I'll put the recipe up when I post about it. Yeah. Um All right, well, should we get into it? Yeah, I think we should get into it. Okay. Well, so little wrap up when we when we left, um Shori was at uh, a settlement of other Ina. Uh, and she, uh, just a reminder, is one, the the one Ina that due to kind of her genetic, the genetic engineering her, her mom did or the women in her Ina family, uh, she's able to be awake during the day and be out while covered, but in the sunlight. And so she is able to be kind of pr- protective of mm-hmm. this clan, uh, the Punta... Abdullah was the name of it. Um, and I think it really, I feel like the novel really picks up after this point. Like it really covers a lot of ground. I don't know. I, I guess you could say, so, so basically they, there's this attack. 
she's able to capture, they're able to capture the attackers. I think they, it was like 18 humans yeah. that were, uh, I'm trying to think the best, it's not brainwashing, but they were influenced by the Ina who bit them to commit this crime. And they kind of through interrogation and through kind of just discovery think they know what family did it. Uh, the family of Ina did their, not only this attack, but the one on uh, her original, Shori's original family, as well as her father's family. Right. Uh, and so then they kind of call a like meeting of all of the Ina clan uh, to have like a, a trial, so yeah. to speak. And there's, there's a trial and uh, I actually really like those scenes. I kind of like courtroomy trial. It's a lot of dialogue, but I enjoy those. Uh, and then you discover that she was correct. What is the name of that family? It's the, um, oh, I should have known this. I feel like it starts with an S, but Silk, the Silks. Oh, the Silk family. Right. So, uh, they determine that it, that the Silk family is responsible. And then on top of that, one of the members of the Silk family not only uh, also commits an even worse crime, and she murders Shoni's, one of Shoni's uh, symbionts. Well, uh, she's, she's not even, um, she's not a member she of the family. She's like another member of the council. But she like that's, aligns with them. That's right. She or was she's, close with the family. She's yeah. like their mediator she's, or something because everybody's kind of like assigned a spokesperson that's... Um, and then everybody on this council is kind of like, they all have to agree who's on the council because it's supposed to be very like middle ground as far as who they're going to align with. Um, but yeah. it's one of the other women on the council. Um, yeah, it was her, the representative, Catherine. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Kath Catherine sends one of her symbionts to kill Theodora, who was Shori's symbiont. She was the older woman, the poet uh, mm -hmm. that Shori brought to... To, to live with her. And that was really sad uh, because I thought it was really interesting. You know, Theodora really seemed to embrace the life. Like they talked about, I thought it was interesting how they talked about when all these, is it's 13 Ina families and all of their symbionts have come to like the Gordon settlement. So then the symbionts kind of have these, these meetings and parties and they get to interact with each yeah. other and have like, and which was, I thought was interesting. And, and Theodora really seemed to embrace that and be excited about it and happy and loved this kind of life. And Shori was really attached to her. And so that was really, really sad. Um, so yeah. now they've also got to determine if they're going to punish Catherine Dahlman. Um, and they do, they punish both the silks and Catherine. So the silk sons are taken from the, that family and they're adopted out so that the silk line will die out. And then Catherine Dahlman is sentenced to have her legs amputated uh, from the hip bone. But she refuses, from the hip bone, but she refuses the punishment, tries to kill Shori, who fights back and fatally wounds her, and then she's killed by being decapitated and burned. Um, and then it ends with Shori and her symbionts deciding to join the Brathwaite family, uh, so you know that she's going to eventually mate with and join the Brathwaite family, and, or sorry, she not mating with the Brathwaite family, but she's joining with them to kind of learn the ways of the Ina and what, like, kind of get... Well, she did get agree the to education mate. that she needs. 
Right. But who did she agree to meet with? Because she does agree to the Gordons. Right. Okay. With Daniel. Yeah. So she agrees to meet with, but when she's older, they make this big point that like, she's not ready yet, but when she is, she will meet with Daniel, meet with Daniel. I know you're rolling your eyes at that, but (laughs) (laughs) it kills me. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, the rest of this book really moves pretty quickly. I feel like, uh, with there's attack scenes, there's the courtroom scenes, there's the scenes with Catherine, there's the, and then it goes pretty quick, but I, I think it wrapped up. I mean, I would want to know more and I guess this was, uh, Octavia Butler's last novel. There was going to be more, uh, and in fact, it feels like there should, there were good. It was going to be two more. It was going to be like a trilogy, right? And, and she does that with her novels. Like she has the patternist. Yeah. She has the patternist uh, novels, which I read those and, and it's not necessarily that there's a sequel and then a trilogy, but more of it's a continuation of that world. Yeah. Uh, so there would have been more novels with that continued this world, which it's too bad that there isn't. Cause I, I like how they wrapped it up, but I definitely wanted to keep going with it and see what else happened with Shori and her symbionts and how did she progress, especially being someone who, had the unique abilities that she did. Um, right. Yeah. How, what did you feel about this second half of, of the book? Um, hmm. I don't know. The, I have, I have uh, conflicting feelings about this book a little bit because I really enjoyed reading it, but I don't know that it necessarily like ultimately sat well with me. Like, mm-hmm. and I, it's for the same issues that we talked about last time. Um, a lot of it. And then at the end, like, I guess maybe I just had a really hard time getting past my issues with Shori looking like a 10 year old. Um, and then the relationships that she has that it made kind of some aspects of the ending not hit home with me. Like Theodora getting killed, for example, didn't like devastate me the way I think it was supposed to. Like, I just had a hard time really feeling that connection between them as being, like, sincere. Like, I I feel like I just kind of looked at all of these relationships with a very, like, cautious and suspicious eye. Like, do you know what I mean? And it made me feel, like, Mm -hmm. not trusting of their feelings towards each other. And so for the, the aspects of, like, the book that I think are supposed to hit home and like Shori's feelings and like her rage about Theodora being killed and the brutality of it. Like that just, the impact wasn't there for me. Um, and I think that, but I do think that there were like interesting aspects of that. Like I really liked, um, the conversation that they have on the like council basically after Theodora dies of how Shori is supposed to be reacting and like kind of policing her reactions a little bit and saying like, you're not real Ina because you would never be capable of having this conversation if you really like had connected with your symbiont and like telling her that she wasn't reacting enough, but then also telling her that, you know, they expect her to be more like wild and to overreact because of who she is kind of like throughout this whole council, she's kind of being told how she's supposed to be. And, um, and I really liked that aspect of it, but the actual like emotion of Theodora dying didn't really hit me as hard as I think it should have. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, I really did like the, the, 
trial scenes because I think that was such a good point of how much they were putting on how Shori was supposed to be acting. And I think it really hits home with the theme of, of race and Octavia Butler's novels Mm -hmm. of like, this is how this young black woman is supposed to be reacting and just how, you know, racist the Silk family was. They were very clear about it, about, uh, her, her, the, how she looked and who she was and them kind of feeling like it was this abomination and also how they, I think where I got the connection with it is how, Shori felt about her symbionts and how much she seemed to care for all of her symbionts and especially Theodora, maybe not especially, but she cared very much for Theodora and really wanted her to have her to be happy. And then Theodora is murdered and the Silk family, how they felt about symbionts was not the same as how Shori did. Right. It was very much this, like they had a relationship with their symbionts almost because they had to. And it, it definitely was more of a, uh, they were more property ish. They were sub well, there was, to there, the Ina. They were like a subspecies for sure. But then there was yes. also like a sense of resentment because they still needed them. Yes. Like exactly. So they looked down on them, but they needed them to survive. And, um, that resentment definitely carried through and the difference that they, the different opinions that they had about their symbionts and like the kind of with Catherine specifically, how she kind of just so blatantly and obviously sets her symbiont up to kill Theodora. Like the thing, because what happens is they're at the party and Catherine's symbiont is, I can't remember his name, but he's like watching Theodora the whole time. And then when Theodora leaves, he's like, oh, I just remembered I needed to do something for Catherine. And later on, everybody talks about how that's such a giveaway because like a symbiont never forgets what they're, what they're, right. you know, asked them to do. So like that kind of carelessness with her symbiont um, was pretty apparent, even though they also have these deep connections with them at the same time. It's just not as much of like a respect. There's like, there is a lack of respect, but still like property attachment. Like this is mine kind of aspect to it. That was interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think it really compared and contrasted this idea of a parasitic relationship that I feel like you got Mm -hmm. more out of the silks and their, even though they still call them their symbionts, their relationship didn't seem as symbiotic as it did with some of the other Ina families. And kind of, you know, Shori and her outlook seems to be more the way of the future, right? So Mm -hmm. she's different in so many ways. And like, that's the way maybe, excuse me, maybe they should be progressing more. Not only does she have more ability, she's able to be awake during the day. Her darker skin is a, is a benefit Mm -hmm. uh, instead of a detraction. And her outlook on symbionts is, you know, more of this like, more of how it should be in the future. You know, it's, it's less of a dominance on one side and more of, uh, it, it, it seemed like it was trying to be portrayed as something that's more focused on equality, like an, an idea of cooperation and interdependence, um, that mutualistic kind yeah. of idea of the symbiosis instead of how the silks were looking at it because they, you know, and especially with the ages, Shori's younger. A lot of these families are so much older and they make a big point to talk about kind of the age of some yeah. of the Ina. And I think there's that idea of how things were versus how they are now. And then how 
Shori can bring that into the future. Not only, I mean, in her attitudes, but in just her, her abilities and what she represents. Yeah, I think that's true. I still um, had a problem with this, like, I don't know. I guess I would say that a part of that still feels like an illusion, though. Like, this idea that they could ever be equal, I feel like, is an illusion because it is still based on, like, a physical dependence that nobody has a choice in. Like, so that's kind of where I'm not convinced necessarily that, like, that level of equality is possible. Like, because Shori can always find more symbionts, but, like, they're, they don't have, like, that kind of freedom from her. And I think that that's, I don't know. It, like, clearly she doesn't want to have that kind of, like, she cares about them, so she's she's not necessarily looking at it that way. But I still feel like it's still kind of, like, an illusion that they could ever really have, like, equality. And I also don't know that I like... I, don't, I, I guess, I don't know. I th- Like, this is a really interesting book because it shows, like, a lot of different kinds of relationships, but I don't know that I really, like, like the way that it's presented either way. Like, I don't like people being so dependent on each other in this way that it, it really, it kind of stressed me out, and again, like, it made me, like, not trusting of the actual connections that they had because it, like, it just felt like, really, like, it happened so quickly, and to that point, it made it feel superficial. Like, oh, she bit me, and now, now I want her, and now I care about her. I feel like that. Yeah, it didn't. I, it I didn't feel it, real. It didn't feel real to me. Yeah, I think. I think I get what you're saying. I I just thought it brought up some interesting points about the ideas of agency, right? And like, what what does it mean to be dependent on somebody? I mean, you're correct. Like they have this actual physical dependency on each other and, yeah. you know, like writes a great example, right? Like at the beginning, it seems like he's before we really understand, like he's choosing everything on his own. He understands, but really it's, it's not like he has to give up some of his agency, but in doing so in these symbionts giving up some of their agency, they're helping Shori to be the best Ina she can be, if that makes sense. I think sometimes, like, she's, she starts with amnesia. She doesn't know anything. Yeah. Um, and I think she takes them giving up their own agency as she starts to understand that as motivation to be the best she can be for them. And I think the point is, is that that's how it should be versus some of the older Ina who have come to look at it like this is just how it is. Like they don't necessarily see that same, um, you know, mutualistic relationship that through the symbionts giving up this agency and them themselves giving up their own agency, that's how they mutually benefit, uh, are beneficial to each other. And I think that in that kind of a relationship, sure is the idea of the best way to make that happen. Because I mean, that happens in relationships 
certainly not because of our saliva making people addicted, <laughs> but you know, we, we, we have to give up, I think in, in friendships and romantic relationships and parent and children, there's this kind of idea of giving up some senses of freedom to be with or to help with this other person. And the idea yeah. of where does that stand and making sure that those are, I, I liked how at least in the novel, there's a lot of discussion. Like she, she talks a lot with, Oh, what is his name? He's the dad of the oh. one guy that becomes her symbiont. And he's a, he used to be Joel's, a teacher, right? Joel's and, dad. I but I can't remember what Joel's dad's name is, but Joel. Yeah. And I liked, guy. I really appreciated how much, conversation she had with him and how he was kind of a teacher for her on how to be a good Ina, even though he's not an Ina and other well, Ina encouraged yeah. her to talk with him. That, that's just how I interpreted no, it. I, I, just I mean, that it was I, a, I like that too. Cause I think obviously like the best person to ask, like, like I think a husband asking someone how to be the best husband, he's better off going to a wife and asking her than he is going to a husband, right? Like, so I think it like it makes sense that she'd get the best information from another symbiont that's not her own um, for how to be a good one. And I do like I like that, and I I do like like these ideas of like there's an element of giving part of yourself up and like being able to willfully do it and to jointly do something like that together versus the expectation of giving certain things up and that this is just the way th things are. Like, I agree with all of that. I just think that I don't know if this specific metaphor and the way that it's carried out worked for me. And I, yeah, I mean, and that makes sense. I mean, and, and it's a interesting, I mean, vampire stories in general, right? Like, yeah, regardless yeah. of how many tellings there are, they're predator to yeah, prey, but, like I, whether like, yeah, I think, but I think with what what sets this one apart, though, that's different, is that um, I always feel like the fact that they're the predator is clear, and that it's not necessarily like you can, they can still be a protagonist, but there's always this element of like evil. I guess I like which is like such. So a did dramatic you have a hard time it. where it made it like? Did you would it have been? E would you have enjoyed it more if Shori was more yes. like along that vein? Like yes. if it, if so did you see, and I didn't feel like they were trying to make it like, I didn't look at it like, Oh, she's a good person comparatively. I just looked at it like, here's a new take on the vampire story with these elements of like, you know, especially with it, her being black compared to yeah. all of the rest of the Ina being white of I, I just thought it was, I liked it better that she was the way she was versus being kind of your typical, more obviously traits of like a predator and a little bit dark and dangerous. Like, like I, even in stupid twilight, yeah. you know, like yeah. there's always yeah, this yeah. element of like <laughs> danger. And I don't think they really give that to Shori, which I thought was almost more interesting, especially with her being a young black woman, like, there's none of that. And I think that was purposeful because I think that's more of the obvious way to go with it. And like, they kind of make that point in a lot of the trial of like, they're trying to get you to be this way. Yeah. And the, and like, and like, it's a very pure, this is how she is because literally she wakes up and has no idea who she is, what she is. And 
this is just intrinsically coming out of her as who she is as a person because she has no idea. She has nothing to to base her actions on outside of just what she feels is right. Like that's talked a lot about in the novel of kind of her instinct for things. I don't know how I know this, but I know this. Um, So I, but I get what you're saying. I just think, I think, I I think that like part of the issue that I had (coughs) with it too, does just continually for me, go back to the fact that she looks like she's 10 and she's engaging in like these sexual relationships. And like, I will tell you like, and maybe you had the same reaction, but like the first moment that she meets right and, um, she bites him and then he like pulls her onto her lap and he makes like some comment for me immediately, like red flags, like, like alarms are going off. Like, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And I, what I didn't like is that there was I felt like that relationship and like the fact that these people just continue to be okay with the fact that she looks her way. And it's not just after she bites them because Joel wants her the moment he sees her, he wants her and she still looks like she's 10 and she has not bitten him yet. And he wants her in a sexual way before she's even bitten him. And he talks about being attracted to her. And I think that like that level of it I would have had an easier time reading that if I felt like there was like a real critique of that in the book. Mm. And I didn't, I felt like it was actually continually justified again and again and again about all these people being not okay with something. And then all of a sudden are okay with it. And I like, I just, I I think that's part of the point. I think it's, I think, I mean, obviously I don't want you to, feel that way. But I think, especially we talked about this last time, you know, the sexualization that occurs with especially like young black girls, I think you're supposed to be uncomfortable with it. But not that you wouldn't be with any other not, young child, but, but she's not okay with it. Well, but the, well, she's not okay no, with she it because is, she, she knows, is okay with it. She is okay with it. But like, right. Because she knows who she is. Like she, you know what I mean? Like she knows that she's not a 10 year old girl. But she's still immature. Like, that's the thing, though, is like, because it's, she's, yes, she's been alive for 53 years, but she also hasn't because she was born yesterday. Like, basically, like, as far as memory serves, she's brand new. Yes, in her, like, soul, she's 53 years in human years, so she's, quote, unquote, mature, but she's still immature and premature for her species. She's not able to carry children. She's too young to mate. Like, so she's still immature for her own species, physically to do that and then physically also in like the way humans view sexuality she's too young so like I guess I just I feel like those issues of like how we sexualize or have more adult expectations of young black women in society whether that be with responsibility and what they're expected to deal with, let alone sexuality. Um, like I just felt like I could have gotten that without it being so continually justified throughout the whole book. Like it's very odd to me that it wasn't more of like, like I just felt like it was continually justified and like, I just didn't, it didn't work for me. Like, I feel like there's a way to get that across without justifying having sex with a 10 year old's body. Like 
whether she's 10 or not. And like, so that, that's like, I think that's why I, a part of me would have been more okay with it if there was more of a sinister element to it where it was more clearly a like rejection of those actual feelings because I don't think that that was super clear like I think it is when you talk about it but I don't think that unless you engage with this book in that way that that's what you're going to leave thinking I think it's I just I had a really hard time with it. It just didn't quite work for me. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, yeah. and I think I think it's hard. Uh, while I didn't have the same reaction to it, I I can understand why you did and how it it didn't necessarily there wasn't any tonal shift throughout the novel. And yeah. but I think if there would have been a tonal shift, it wouldn't have worked for me. Yeah, because. You know what I mean? So I, I can see why you continue to feel that way and have that discomfort and not weren't able to maybe enjoy it as much. And it's almost like because it's written so well, that's you know what I mean? Like it almost if the tone would have changed, if the attitude would have changed, if Shory would have changed, maybe it would have made it a more palatable read or based if she'd on even, the subject if, and what was even, happening. Or even not if it had changed. It's like... I think even just from the beginning, if like her instincts that she's relying on, for example, were more sinister. And I'm like, I'm not saying that I want her to be like the silks. I just like if it had been more about actual bloodlust, right, rather than just like I need this to survive and I'm taking the minimum amount basically each time or like like because it always she's always so caught like aware of like how much she's taking that I think I honestly would have like had an easier time with it if it felt like she had a more difficult time controlling it and if it was like a more sinister instinct that she had that she had to like work against Right. Mm. Like, I think that would have worked better for me. But like you said, that is that is a tale of a vampire that has been done a lot. So like this definitely is a new look because it's goodness, quote unquote. I mean, like you said, it's not like exactly good versus evil, but like she seems to have such a a hand. It's a newness handle on it. She's she's this new creation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, so it is definitely, like, a different arc than you typically see in vampire stories. But I think that I love vampire stories, and I like that original arc. I like the idea of fighting against an inner demon rather than, like, the instinct to be kind of almost perfect at it starting from the beginning. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I, I mean, I definitely think it was... a a novel that was a lot to digest. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I do think that we have to think about it too, of like, I think very clearly Octavia Butler is setting up a lot of themes and a lot of questions and a lot of ideas up in this book that she fully intended to answer and explore in subsequent novels. 
that she didn't get the opportunity to do. And so a lot of these things that I probably am taking issue with, I'm sure she probably would have addressed them like even more, or maybe like gone into more depth and shown a different side of like how maybe another Ina goes through this process and like what it's like for somebody else other than Shuri. And I think that maybe that would have answered a lot of like the questions that I had with this novel. And I, so it, that, it, that is an interesting point of just like this novel did, while the story is complete, like this world didn't necessarily feel complete because it wasn't, but it, yeah. I'm really and, glad I read it. And, yeah. And like, you know, the, definitely the, the fact that she is in this body that is that of a young 10 year old girl is a really hard, yeah. uh, it's just a hard concept in the novel. It just is. But I think the concept itself is just so hard of how sexualized particularly young black girls are and how not out of the norm this relationship Mm -hmm. is particularly with I mean I I think it's very purposeful that the first person she encounters is this like white man yeah you know this 20 something white man like I mean that 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 was a very frequent common occurrence of you know these white men raping or having relationships with these young black girls and because they were black, they were seen as that, that was something that was okay or they're, they're sexualized so early. And I think that it's a point that's purposeful. And while it's like you said, there's not this big kind of, I don't think there's a tone that's really set that says this isn't okay. I think it's because it's more of this is a reality. Does that make sense? Like, just like, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're supposed to be uncomfortable with it. I don't think it's supposed to be something that's okay, even though she never says that. Yeah, I just feel like that's kind of like. A but that stretch. could be just my own interpretation like, uh, of reading it from. F- well, no, I don't think it's just your own interpretation. But I just think that that's um, asking maybe, for once, I will say maybe an author asking a little too much. It may be. I mean, I, I just, I, I, that's how I interpreted it. Maybe that's being like giving too much grace to it as a way to handle that uncomfortableness. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that's like, I mean, I, I think that these conversations are like really good to have. <laughs> like, I really hope somebody who read this book listens to this podcast and understands like if they had these uncomfortable feelings that like they're not the only one and there's definitely like I don't think I don't think I could have gotten through this book alone um because of it yeah I mean I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily to have I mean I just finished a book by Gail Jones that definitely made me uncomfortable in a lot of ways and it's like it's like what does that mean why does it make you uncomfortable what is it what do I need to examine like Life, yeah. I, I, I don't think, you know, that's always like a bad thing. And I think that's part of one of the benefits of having discussions about literature is it can make us talk through those things and make it easier to process in some ways versus yeah. not, not examining it at all. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because like this definitely is not like the f- only book that I've read that has had that like you know, questionable or downright wrong relationships in it. Like the first one, obviously, that comes to mind, and I'm sure everybody's brains who read this was Lolita. Um, And how that book, 
is basically what like book? this Lolita. By, oh, Lolita. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, like, and how that book is basically this 40 year old's entire justification for his like predatory behavior and his relationship. And isn't it interesting how that novel has become in and of itself, people have used that as justification to sexualize. Yes. Like, so it's, so like it's a whole criticism of it, but people do misread it and like purposely, I think people misread it, but it's really interesting because there, there was a book that I did not want to read for the pod. Um, but I really enjoyed, but it is a very dark, heavy book and it's called my dark Vanessa and that book. Um, oh yeah. I read that. You did read it. Oh, okay. Um, so that book as you know, like the author, it's based on like her personal experiences, but it's fictionalized and it's about a young girl who is at like a boarding school she, or a private school and she has a sexual relationship with one of her teachers and he kind of hooks her in through Lolita. He like introduces her to this book when she's like 14 and introduces it into her in a way that she romanticizes the relationship in Lolita. And um, he uses it as like a way to to be a predator. And then the whole book, it kind of like flashes back and forth between when she is young and she is being abused by him and their relationship versus her as like a young woman who's in her like late twenties, early thirties, um, processing as he's finally outed by other students as a predator because she is not the only person he abused. Um, her processing what happened to her and like coming to terms with the fact that it was abuse and that it wasn't a consensual relationship. And I liked that book because it shows both parts where there are these sex scenes that are, I would say like maybe on par as far as how explicit they are with this one. Although those scenes are like more drawn out, I would say than like, these ones because these ones are like kind of quick like she goes to bed and it's like a page you know but um you get like those sexual scenes where like at first it kind of sets it up as like a good thing because she wants to be there and like you're kind of drawn into that but then like we as readers all know like this is fucked up this is bad and then she has to like figure that out as an adult and I think that like that worked for me even though it was disturbing because it was so clearly like all about figuring out that this is like really bad. Yeah. And there wasn't this, any, you didn't find any ambiguity in it. Yeah. And I felt like, well, not that I didn't find any ambiguity in it. Like there was definitely an element of her, like, like the fact that she got pleasure from it and she wanted it like that, that does add a level of ambiguity to it, even though it, like, we all know that when you're 14, you can't consent to sex with, like, a 37-year-old. But, like, this book, I felt, like, didn't display that as clearly. And I can see how very much like Lolita, this book could be weaponized. And um, that's, some, that's something that I just don't like thinking about. I don't like yeah, the idea of a book being weaponized for reasons like that. You know, that's just, that's, yeah. And it sucks that that's always where my brain goes, but it's where it goes. Yeah. I think that's all totally, totally fair. 
Yeah. I, I appreciate you getting through it. I know it was hard. Well, I mean, again, I will say I, like, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of being harsh, but like, I did really like reading this. Like this was a fun book to read. There were parts of it that I didn't like. Some parts of it did fall flat, but I never not, I never like wanted to like fully stop throw it down and not pick it up again yeah Yeah. I wasn't like there was no part where I was like Audra we got to pick another book like halfway through (laughs) like you know like there was no point at like that at all and I did I did like it and if they're in some dream world if there were sequels that could exist I would read them um because I think that this is an interesting world even if I don't like every aspect of it just like some people don't like sparkly vampires maybe i don't like vampires where they're having sex at 10 years old (laughs) i get it i totally get it well if uh, i definitely encourage you to read more octavia butler because she's i do want to um i do and if you guys read this we'd love to hear your thoughts too so please you know shoot us a dm uh comment on one of our stories I was sick last week, so I'm sorry. We didn't have quite the Insta presence that we've been trying to have, but okay. uh, on the upswing, so that'll get back. And then I, our next book is really a good ch- change of pace, so I'm really excited to talk mm-hmm. about this. Definitely trippy and interesting, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was a good pick for sure. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, anything else you want to bring up uh, about Fledgling? No. No, I think that's it. I think that's all I wanted to talk about. Have you been watching or listening to anything good lately or reading anything good lately? Um, let's see. Well, I Kendrick and I have been definitely watching the new uh, Picard series, it's okay. the final series. If you're a Star Trek fan, watch it for sure. We're watching Shrinking, which is written by the same guys that did Ted Lasso. Is that the Harrison uh, Ford one? Yeah, so I'm really liking that. Uh, and then reading, uh, I just finished, uh, a book by Gail Jones, Corridiga. Um, that was a hard read, meaning like the, what was happening was hard, but really, really good. And I love Gail Jones. She's like totally one of my favorites. I, this is one of hers that I hadn't. What's that one about? What's that one about? So. Difficult. It it follows this. The woman's name is Ursa. She's a blues singer. And it kind of is just about, it, there's not tons of plot point, but it's, she was violently attacked by her husband, Mutt. Uh, she gets mm-hmm. divorced from Mutt, takes up with another man, but it's mostly about her, her family and kind of the trauma, the historical trauma of this uh, Portuguese slave owner, Cora Digdora, who uh, raped her grandmother and her mother and Mm -hmm. kind of just goes through that. Um, it's, I really, I really, it was hard because it's, it's, that's just a hard thing to go through and kind of what that trauma does and to her and her sexuality. And, uh, but I love Gail Jones. Her novel Palmaris is one of my favorites. Uh, so I read that one. That's kind of all I got through because I just have been sick, but I've got a whole list of other ones to go through. So, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, still just watching the last of us. And then I have been playing, um, this is kind of like weird because I'm not a video game person, but I will fully admit I have been playing Hogwarts legacy and I fucking love that game. 
It is like super fun. I don't think I've ever like liked a game this much, but like I like I just I really like it. I think it was a really well done game. Um and then other than that, I really like haven't been doing much. We just got back from Mexico and I did not get the reading done on that trip that I wanted to get done. Like I just I well, went that's there. That's good. I'm glad like, you were you were busy. I was busy. It was fine. I could have used a little bit more beach solitude to read, but it's okay. I had a really good time. It's been it's been really great and it feels good to be back in the swing of things. And I've been reading. I did like read I'm in like my trash book uh, phase Mm -hmm. when I'm not reading pod books. So I've been reading Throne of Glass, which is like objectively pretty bad. Um, But I also (laughs) am enjoying it like enough. Well, good. That's great. You you need those. It's just like so easy to blast through that it makes me feel like really good at the end because I'm like, oh, I like read like four books this week. I'm like doing really good. (laughs) but it's like, yeah, we all need, I mean, I've got my trash, I've got my trash TV. People need their trash books, like no judgment. We just want people to read. So whatever you want to read, you read. Uh, I mean, hopefully you read our pod books, but like whatever you want to (laughs) read. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah. So go pick up, uh, your copy of our next book, uh, get reading on that. We'll be discussing that for two episodes. Mm-hmm. And we will post what we're going to be doing after that as soon as I have it. I'm trying to decide what to do. So we will let you guys know. Um, so thanks as always for listening. We love doing this. We hope you enjoy. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.